Good. Hey, this is Bob Nalbandian. And Matt Hartnett. From the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. You can subscribe and download all episodes of the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast via the CMS Podcast Network at cmspn.com or any of your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and more. And while you're at it, be sure to rate and comment about the podcast and spread the word. And if you'd like to donate to the podcast, go to our PayPal account at shockwavesskullsessions at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support of the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast over the years, and stay tuned for more great episodes every week. You are about to enter the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast on shockwaveskullsessions.com. And now your host, Bob Nalbandian. A Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. We got a very, very special podcast here. We got uh, uh, three people on, as well as me, of course. We got our our uh, co-host Matt Harnett and our guest, Mr. Ricky Warwick. You. Uh, what's Hello, up, everybody. And we How got a, we got a, a fourth person, uh, Mr. Tom Brennan, a fellow Irishman, our lucky leprechaun, Mr. Tom <laughs> Brennan. How you doing there, Tom? All right, man. I'll be always good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead uh, and start this thing. I know you've got a, a great, a really great new solo record, Ricky. Uh, when life was hard and fast, I believe it was just released worldwide last week, right? No, it comes out February nineteenth. Oh, okay. I thought it so was. We, get, we we started a week ago, February nineteenth. Oh, so we still we, got time. we 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 put the title track um, of the album was made available last week when life is hard and fast, but the album itself comes out February nineteenth. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, let's start off. I know, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to get Tom to kind of start off. Uh, he yep. obviously is from Ireland, grew up. Uh, he's seen you as a solo artist. He's seen you within Lizzie. He's seen you with Black Star Riders. He's seen you with Almighty Yep. Uh, back there. So, uh, Tom, take it away. It's, a, I'm, I, you know, it's a great honor for me. And I was actually looking back at all of the dates. I think I've seen you six times, uh, twice with the Almighty, uh, one solo. Yep. You did the, so, the solo acoustic with... Uh, Def Leppard, I think, in the Ambassador or the Olympia, one or the other. I can't right. quite remember. Right. Yep. There are two, yep. there are two um, uh, venues in Dublin, guys. Um, and then I saw you with uh, Black Star Riders. I uh, saw you with Thin Lizzy uh, supporting Alice Cooper and Def Leppard in the uh, O2 Arena. And I remember walking yep. out of that one. And I actually saw you in New York in Irving. Is it Irving Plaza, Matt? Is that the right Irving one? Plaza, yes. Uh, with uh, Europe a couple of years back uh, when you supported. So I've seen you like solo and Black Star Riders, whatever. But you know, great gigs, one and all. I always remember all of the details. But just quickly on the new album, uh, Ricky, I, I, I'm blown away by it. It's better than Thank I expected. You. I don't know how that sounds. <laughs> but it, I was just blown away how good it was. And the one thing that I, I, I really picked up from, listening to a lot this week, is the production is just unbelievable. Um, and, the, the, and the drummer, the, sorry, the drum sound on it. I said this to Bob, we had a call this week on it. The drum sound, he's, he sounds like a real metal drummer because he's hitting them hard. I love mm -hmm. the feel of the open the open hi-hat, which is really filling the sure. sound. Yep. It's just an awesome, awesome record. How did you choose the musicians, or how does any musician choose for a solo album uh, as opposed to a well, band? You, well, the album is called just Keith Nelson. And Pete, you know, if you're aware of Keith from being in Buck Cherry. Yep. Um, so Keith and I obviously are both artists in our own right. And when we, Keith and I did the demos and we wanted to put a core band together to record, to record the basic backing tracks. Um, 
And there's only one base player I'll go to, and that's Robbie Crane, who's a black star rider. Mm -hmm. Robbie's, in my opinion, I, I always introduce him on stage as the world's greatest base player because to me, yeah. he is, he's just a good guy to have in the studio as well. He brings great energy. Um, you know, he's a he's a funny guy to be around. So that's a no-brainer for me. And then Keith just said, look, you know what? I've got this Xavier Muriel, extra more Buck Jerry. He's amazing. He'd be the perfect guy to play on play on the record. Um, so we flew him in from Austin, and that was the core of the band. And the Skiver played on every track but one. The track Gunslinger. My manager Adam Parsons actually mm -hmm. plays drums on that drums on that track. Um, he's he's a drummer, and he hadn't played in a while. And I, and you know I could see him getting stressed with the business side of it. And I was like, you need to get back playing your drums. You know you're a pretty decent drummer. Uh, and he's out of time. I said, no, you need to you know. Please, <laughs> I think he's great. Discover some of the music and get back. So I got him all fired up again, and he came in, he kills it, he plays on Gunslinger, and did a great job. So that was the core band. That's what we put the backing tracks down with. Okay, Dude, that's perfect. Great. I didn't know that Adam played on that. I got to give him some shit. Adam's, Adam, <laughs> Adam's, on, Adam's playing drums on Gunslinger. Good for you to get him playing again. I know he said he played in like a new wave of British heavy metal band that never yeah. really. Yeah. I, I didn't really, but I never really knew that he was that, that established of a drummer. That's awesome. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, talking about the new wave of British heavy metal, did you, I know the Almighty started, you know, kind of more late 80s, uh, and you were, you know, a young kid during that time. I know it really filtered over to Ireland as well, Sweet Savage, one of my favorite bands, and they were kind of lumped in with that whole thing, you know, of course, Vivian Campbell. Um, mm. Were you, was that a, a, a big movement in, in Ireland as well, uh, The like the new wave of British heavy metal bands? Did they come over there much? Uh, like, say, Def Leppard, Maiden, <laughs> Tigers of Panama? Yeah. You're, you're asking the wrong guy because I was a full-on punk rocker when all that was happening. <laughs> I, I, can, I can answer that because, I, I mean, I was, um, like, I got into metal probably in uh, 81. First band I ever heard was Thin Lizzy, actually. It was a buddy of mine playing, bloody friend of mine playing Black Rose album. I was just in the home hanging out, and I was walking past the room, and I just stopped and went, what, what am I listening to? I was 11 years of age. It was 1981. Black Rose, of course, came out in 79. So just a couple of years after, obviously, Lizzy had released, like, Chinatown and renegade in between but i had heard that for the first time because that was my first introduction then i got there's always one guy who knows everything about metal he was like the lars ulrich of waterford he just knew everything about everybody then it was an introduction into raven and tigers of pantang and you know judas priest even though they're not new album but they got lumped in with it and then obviously early maiden so for me in my little hometown of waterford you know um that new wave was a big thing because all of my buddies all had the denim jackets and the maiden patch at the back and rush and saxon and whatever so it was a big thing in my town for sure well, sure but up in, Bel up in belfast you know being growing up then we because bands just wouldn't come and play i mean I, for me the mm. first two are maiden albums i was totally into them i was being cheeky there on set punk i'm those first two maiden albums like said tom you know lizzie as well black rose is my favorite lizzie album of all time yep. yeah i never can i never considered the lizzie a metal band but you know they're, to me they're you know so, but but Belfast had this vibrant punk scene around them with the Good Vibrations label that Terry Hooley started. You had yeah. bands like Stiff Little Fingers, Outcasts, Rudy, Defects, and because they were from Belfast, they'd be playing every week because they weren't afraid to come over and play. A lot of the big bands didn't want to come and play in Northern Ireland at that time because of the situations. So you would get Thin Lizzy coming up from Dublin. You'd get Rory Gallagher coming over from Ballyshannon and playing, and you'd get the yeah. Irish guys who were Irish who weren't afraid to play. So we just went and saw all those bands because oh, there's a band playing. Didn't matter who it was or what you were into. <laughs> just the fact that it was a band playing in Belfast that night, you could go and see, was just oh my god! I can't believe it's somebody actually doing a gig here because we were so starved. We were, you know. So we everything 
was on the table for us, you know, whether it be new wave of heavy metal, be punk rock, whether it be blues, whether it be even country, you know, there's a yeah. gig, let's just go, you know. I think one of the you know the most um, you know underappreciated bands, and kind of, I think Tom, we talked about this when we uh, did a podcast yeah. together, was the band Horselips. Um, oh. I mean that band. When you when you listen to that band, I mean Believe all that me. all that folk metal that you hear right now that's going across Europe. I mean all over the place. If you go up, you go back listen to Horselips. I mean that's where it all started. I mean you just pop on like King of the Fairies, a song yeah. like that. I mean it just destroys. And what I think was really cool about them was they were a very independent band and they never left Ireland. Right, most bands. Obviously, you had to go over to London. You had to go, you know, you couldn't or, or try to maybe go to America uh, to make it. But they actually did everything themselves, and they never left Ireland. I mean, that was still their home base. Um, but, yeah, they're they're such an underappreciated band. I mean, did you uh, grow up listening to them at all, Ricky? Or I mean, I know they, yeah, they stopped, I, I think. I, I, yeah. I have two older sisters, Matt, and they're, they're both, you know, they, they were the ones that were buying the vinyl. They are quite a bit older than me. And so I was really getting into their sort of record collection. And I remember uh, my sister buying the tank. And just mm -hmm. going, what the hell is this? But my, I mean, I really, really underappreciate the album for me is the Man Who Built America. I think that album is yeah, phenomenal, awesome. phenomenal, yeah. and it should be huge. Amazing. And I'm not going. I've stolen from Horselips so many times. I mean, the riff, <laughs> the riff, the riff for another state of grace. I think I stole it from Sword of Light. You know, I think that I was like, oh, I'll have some of that and change this a little bit here and away you go. Phenomenal band, and I, I think they. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were the first band really to integrate the, the Irish folk scene. With the hard rock, yep, you're right. Which, which, mm -hmm. which then begat Lizzie, and Lizzie did also yep. did it so well too. But I think Horselips were, you know, correct me if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong here, but I think they were the first band to do that yeah. successfully. Anyway, you know, it's funny. Uh, I saw uh, Vivian Campbell used to do some club shows in LA in the early, I guess, er, early mid two thousands, and he would do some Rory Gallagher and of course some Thin Lizzie and and all that. It really cool. And he did a few Horselips songs, and that was the first time I think. Horselips was ever played, you know, either live or on the radio in America. No one really knew, and I had heard of the band back then and and was aware of them. But it was a, uh, mm. it was it was nice to hear. But you know, uh, you, you talk about your influences and you talk about country. I know you were you were really into Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash as well as you know the punk side, Stiff Little Fingers, The Clash, yeah, and of course, then Lizzie. Um, and you talk about some of these other bands, whether it be Rory Gallagher, Horselips. You had that folky kind of. Very bluesy, American kind of that American blues uh, uh, edge, you know, different from the the Bob Dylan kind of stuff that was going on in the '60s. It had that that Irish flavor, and and, and you know, and I, I think I've talked to you about this. It seems like the Irish, and and going back to your lyrics on this new album, just brilliant lyrics, Ricky. Thank you, thank you so much. Did with Black Star Writers as well. It's got that street edge uh, to the lyrics, and and, and you and, and 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 Bill Lynott and and all these guys. Uh, from Ireland, and even a lot of the Skyrish bands, Scottish bands, Nazareth, you know, I, I love that street edge kind of lyrical approach and the, um, you know, musical approach. It, it, it reminds me a lot, I could hear a lot of old Motown, because, you know, the Mo early 70s Motown and 70s soul had that street kind of uh, vibe to it, because, you know, these people were living on the street, and I, I think it was yeah. kind of a similar thing in Ireland. Was it, uh, was it a lot of your your social background and what was going on in Ireland. I think, I think, I think it is, you know, and I think you bring in the Motown, obviously with Barry Gordy and, and the whole label starting up, you know, um, you know, and that Detroit sound and that, that feeling of, of being on the streets and being working class and fighting for everything that, that good that comes your way. And I think certainly as a kid growing up in Northern Ireland and then moving to Glasgow when I was 14, which is, you know, is a great city, but has a lot of rough areas as well. And, you know, people don't suffer mm -hmm. fools in, any, in, in both those cities is, 
as uh, as Tom will sort of testify to. Yeah. And I think you, you you know people don't let you get too carried away either. They're very good at keeping your feet on the ground. So you've got to really earn everything that everything that you have. And I think there's so many characters as well in those cities, and so many great stories, and so much history, and so much ancient culture, and so much stupidity and bigotry and dumb stuff like that. That but that begats great stories, you know, and, and affects your life for good and for bad. And I just try and write about it honestly. I mean, I just, the stories are all that everything I write about is something that's happened or people that I know or happened to me or something that's happened in my family's history. And I just try and write, write about it as honestly as I can, but try and make it appealing to maybe somebody that's never set foot in Ireland or never been to Scotland or, you know, never has met the characters. It's making them appeal to somebody that can connect with that in a global in a global stage, you know, that's that's the tricky bit. <laughs> Ricky, real quick, and just on, on the lyrics, because, you know, <clears throat> because what your lyrics are doing, not just on the new album, but just generally with, with Blackstar, et cetera, is you're kind of bringing you on a journey, it's bringing in a story. And Phil did that too. Phil kind of brought you into the story. It's the like best. reading a book. Yeah. It's like it's like you're turning the pages to, okay, where's this going? What's he talking about? So did you ever, like, like study poetry where you had a, did you have an interest in poetry or is this something that just comes natural? You're pulling from real life experiences and stories or no, you know, absolutely. I, mean, I love reading, you know, I, I'm just always reading and, and, sure. and books and, and why do people say things? And, and I think it's just having fun with trying to have fun with the English language. Why do certain mm -hmm. things mean certain things to people, you know, all of that, just devouring it and, and, and sort of taking it in and, and there was nobody, Better than it and Phil. It just Phil it's such a, a poetic way with words and imagery, yeah. you know, it was just brilliant. And everybody that I idolize likes of Phil or, or nurses that I that I look up to would be, you know, Phil, you know, Joe Strummer, even Lemmy, you know, even sure. Ronnie, mm -hmm. even Ronnie James Dio had a great way with the, those lyrics that he was writing, you know. That's to, right. to, to to Dylan, to all those guys are the masters of the art when it comes to poetry. Even Van, you know, that some of the Sublime lyrics and like Brown or Girl, you know, when, he, when he's talking Amazing. making out behind the stadium in Belfast, it's just brilliant. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and I can picture those places in my mind. And I think that's what I want people to do when I'm writing something. You know, some people don't give give a toss about the lyrics, and that's fine. That's that's totally cool. That's that's all subjective, and that, that's all part of rock and roll. But a lot of people do, and I'd like I like I know when I hear lyrics that resonate with me, they conjure up images. Yeah, and it's magical, and that's what I love about it, and that's what. I'd like to try and do in my own right sure. now. Yeah. Let's talk about when you moved to Scotland. You said you were 14. Was that, were you looking to form a band or did you already have the Almighty in mind or was it uh, just you needed to go? No, home? I mean, I, I didn't want to move. You know, I was very happy in Belfast with all the shenanigans going on. I had a really nice little life there and I, you know, getting into girls, getting into music, just playing for the local soccer team. You know, I, I was, and then, you know, my dad, one of those things back in we're moving to Scotland you don't really get any say in it now you know it's like we're moving to Scotland we're, we're moving next month yeah, okay. why you know <laughs> I mean, you, you know no, we just are and that's it and it's a horrible age to move because you're 14 yeah so you're full of that teenage angst and that piss and vinegar and you know you I just always laugh at my dad I've always never I never had the balls to ask him and I should have but he was still alive you know, he's like, well, no, we need to get out of Northern Ireland. You know, it's a height of troubles here, son. You know, there's a lot of religious bigotry. There's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. He moves a family to the west of Scotland. <laughs> All the fucking places you could have picked, which is just as, good, as much religious bigotry as what's going on in Northern Ireland. The first day I was at school in Scotland, you know, I'm in school. I'm nervous. You know, I'm walking along. This guy comes up and he's like, oh, you knew. Irish guy. What are you, Protestant or Catholic? And I just 
Oh, here we go. Oh, <laughs> just here we go. You know, I've just, you know, and I could never really work Jeez. it out. But it, the, the the great thing about it was was I was quite a tough kid, so I was never I was quite good at standing up for myself. But the first day at school in Scotland, suddenly rumor gets out there's a guy with a guitar from Ireland, and so you're in the playground, and then this guy goes, "I've got a set of drums," and then this guy walks over and goes, "I've got a bass guitar." Meet me at his house tomorrow, six o'clock. And those first two guys were stumping Floyd. I went on, you know, six years down the road to form yeah. Almighty with. And that love of music just brought us together straight away. They weren't particularly the guys I hung out with in school. They never were because I was really into, into football. I saw always hang out with people playing football. But they were the guys that had the drum kit and the bass. So we became a band. And instantly we started, you know, right within the first two weeks of me living there, we were rehearsing and playing. And that the three of us, as I said, would go on to be in the Almighty together, which was pretty amazing, you know. But the, but the Almighty had, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the details, like seven studio albums, I believe. Like in 89 was the debut. And then, you know, fast forward three years, you're on a Donington stage in 92. It was like, Jesus, what the fuck? You know, and you're playing with Slayer and Skid Row and whatever, whoever else was on the bill. I mean, like, I mean, I remember I was a big Krang. I used to buy Krang every week from... Let me think about 83 to about 95 when I went all Indian shit. But so like the Almighty, the Wild Hearts, this, this period of time, the Wild Hearts um, uh, therapy were always on the on the covers. Like I think you guys had about five or six different covers. So you were front and center, significantly great chart positions, you know, within yeah. a really, really short space of time. So you went from that story to on the Donington stage in 1992. I mean, that's just an amazing, because I was looking at this. I remember living that. I remember I was, or it would have been 21 around that time. But when I look back at the timeline, I was going, holy shit, that was two years from the debut on a Donington stage. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was insane. You know, and I think we, we played Donington 1992 and I had mm. gone down down there as a fan in 1988, the overnight bus down from Glasgow with my girlfriend. At the time. I was the maiden gig, right? Seven Sun that maiden was gig. The maiden one we're going to Yeah, I was at it. Played. I was there. And, yep. Yep, you were there. I, I remember standing was. in that field. I remember 125,000 people That's right. that year. I remember standing there going, I would give anything to be on that stage, you know? And four years later, I was. And, and that was wow. insane. But the Almighty was like that. The Almighty was that kind of band. You know, we formed in January 88. We signed to Polydor 11 months later after 12 shows. Wow. You know, three months after that, we're in the top 40. You know, then we're, we've got a top 10 album. You know, it, it was, it was, we were the right band at the right time in the right place with the right attitude. Yeah. You know, and I think we had the songs to back it up. And I think that's what, what it was just, everything just kind of came together. But it all happened so insanely quickly. Um, yeah. Maybe a bit too quickly, if I'm being honest, looking back on it. But, you know, you, you don't want to really stop. At the, the time. The, the, you don't want to stop the train when it's, when it's, it's, it's at top but speed. You, but but you, uh, you mentioned, Ricky, about your, like, your punk influence. We speak about Nawabam, but, you know, um, the Almighty had a punk flavor and it was like rough sure. and ready and guitar down low. And, but it was more of a rock stroke metal band at times it wasn't yeah, a punk influence. absolutely you know, I, think, I think we wanted to be sham 69 meets motorhead you know we wanted <laughs> we wanted we wanted the, 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 the heaviness of motorhead and, and right. that little bit of a metal edge but we wanted the oi football terrace fist in the air choruses that, that were just yeah, big yeah. and everybody could sing along yeah. to and i think that was our mantra and that's what we that's what we wanted to be and you know i think we achieved that i really do i'm really so proud, I'm proud of my time in that band oh for it sure it was amazing yeah yeah, no doubt. So, Ricky, I mean, you also with um, you guys obviously. Tell me, you guys are obviously huge uh, in Europe, and you, you, I mean, you play with Iron Maiden, 
Metallica, Megadeth. I mean, every every major metal hard rock band there was. Um, and then you guys, obviously, you came over here to the States for, uh, I think, one tour, correct? Um, what was it? I mean, is there a reason why you guys never came back to the States or you just decided to stay really, you know, over in Europe and, and not really try to, you know, get too big over here? Or what was the sure. no, reason for that? No, yeah. I, no, it was, it's, it, it, it was just. I don't want to sound like a whiny, a whiny rock rock musician because I hate whiny rock musicians. We came over, we had a great attitude out the gate. Our albums were doing really well at Metal Radio in the States. We came over, we did a, a week of residence shows in New York in, in 89, and they went extremely well. Then Ricky Rackman asked us to come. I still think we're the only European band ever to play the Cat House in, in LA. It was all going well. We, we were signed with a great agency. We were on Mercury Records. Um, we couldn't seem to get on a tour. You know, we wanted to get on a, obviously get on a bigger tour, so we couldn't seem to get on that. And then it was the old thing where, every, you know, you'd have a relationship with somebody at a label, they would leave and you'd be back to square one. That just kept happening, happening perpetually okay. with the almighty. Like you wouldn't believe, I mean, I could, I, it was insane. We used to joke about it. It was, it, you know, it wasn't funny, but it was, it was that, you know, you know, the, who's ever working in the almighty, will you be out of a job next week? We used to say that to them when the guy, I'm your new guy. Well, okay, you'll be, you'll be fired on Monday, you know? And, and uh. sadly it was, so we could never build up any momentum. But I mean, okay. it, we were pissed off. We we wanted to break America so so badly, yeah. and then we I think we begged and we kicked up enough fuss that when Power Tripping came out in '93 and did really incredibly well in Europe, yeah. I think the label had to sit up in America and go, "Oh, all right, these guys are selling a lot of records in Europe. Let's try and get something going here." But they did the whole thing where we came over, you know, a few internal struggles again with the label. They stuck us on a, a, a nine week club tour of the stage in a van. No, the New York, Boston, you know, major East Coast shows are great. The LA show is great. The San Francisco is great. All that bit in the middle, we're playing to the barman and two dogs. Yeah, and it, mm. and it just and it just it was soul destroying. You know, it was so hard work. Mm. You'd be driving seven, eight hundred miles. You'd get to the club, you'd set up, and there'd be 10, 15 people. No promotion. The whole story, and mm. and I think that tour really rattled us. You know, because we would we were back playing in the UK to you know two, three thousand people a night. It's not that we weren't big go back head we're not going to do this but i just think we were you know after six seven weeks of it you just go hang on a minute what what yeah. do we do we're, we're killing ourselves here what are we, are we doing this for ricky for me you that know? sounds like the thin lizzy story it sounds like the gary moore story because gary moore yeah. when he played in europe he was playing arenas and he came over and playing shit houses yeah. in, uh, in new york and bob i heard you talk to bob daisley you know a couple of times about that that you know bob is our sure. bob daisley is playing you going like where are we playing like i'm, yeah. I'm next to the toilet here there's a guy going for a piss and you're trying to play your bass or whatever. And he's playing, he's playing arenas in Europe. And then like, yeah, Lizzie never made it for it, reason. It, it, Never mind the amount of money you're hemorrhaging as well, you know? So you kind yeah. of go back, you know, you know, a hundred grand more in debt. The, the, mm. And what have yeah, you achieved out it. of it, you know? Yeah, and suddenly you're doing Europeans first to make up the shortfall that you lost on in America. Yeah. Well, you know, and at this point, at this point, people are maybe bought their first house and, you know, so you, it, it, you know, it's it's weird. It's a weird one, but certainly, you know, we didn't give up on it, um, Matt. And it certainly, mm. definitely pissed us off that we could never get foothold in the states because we wanted to so badly. We really did. Yeah, because I mean, like therapy, you know, had made some noise, you know, here a little bit. Yeah. I, I used to think, I used to think it was maybe because, you know, here in the states, obviously, especially with punk and metal. They never really cross pollinated the way it does overseas, you know, in Europe and in other parts of the world. So over here, the punk rockers want to be in their corner. 
Metalheads sure. want to be in their corner. Right. So it was never really, especially there in the 90s, because it was mostly, you know, obviously grunge and alternative that was so big. But yeah, it just used to shock me because I, I would see therapy come over, do pretty well. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I just was like, wow, I didn't understand why you guys weren't uh, doing the same. But I, you just explained it. It makes a lot of sense with the whole uh, record yeah. label, you know, nonsense, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I told you, Ricky, I, I saw you. Because, uh, you know, I was well aware of the band here in the States, and, and I know you were doing really well on college radio. And I was in England in, I think, 92, was it? You played the Town Country yeah. House. And I remember yeah. you know, uh, Phil Campbell came out on stage, and I'm going, wow. The That's right. They're yeah. huge. And, and you know, I didn't realize how – I knew you guys were big, and, and, and I'm just going, why isn't this translating to the States? But, you, you know, you guys mentioned therapy. They never really took off here. They had a real big buzz. I mean, you could go back to Status Quo and all these other bands. That sure. Were Sl Slade. Yeah. Slade, yeah. Yeah. You know, but it seemed like around the late '80s, because you, you had that breakthrough with the new wave of British heavy metal, that giant movement, and then there was yeah. kind of that biker metal uh, uh, movement. Uh, uh, you know, Zodiac, Mindwork. I, I remember they tried mm. breaking yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it yes. was the, 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 the cult seemed to be. Yeah, you know, the of the rules seemed to be the cult. You know, they seemed to be the ones that, that the did, cult did was it, the ones. You know? that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they kind of changed your sound. They did when they did electric. It was more of a simple ACDC. Of course, yeah, uh, but work, would work extremely well for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ricky, I got I got a quick question for you. Just on one of the gigs that I saw, it's more the timeline in the gig, and I just got the dates. It was the Point Theater, and you had Megadeth, Alice in Chains, and the Almighty, and that was the beginning. I think in '91, so that was the beginning of the Megadeth Rust and Peace tour, and that was the first Irish gig after Dave Mustaine fucked up in Belfast. <laughs> when oh, when, yeah. when oh, he just when he said give like give Ireland back to the Irish and whatever. But did you ever discuss that with him? Was he nervous coming oh, back? Oh, and... I've got a great story about this. <laughs> I was going to ask that. About Thanks for having the balls to ask that. <laughs> oh man, me, me and I love Dave the bitch. Dave and I are tight, and he and I love yeah. him the bitch, and and he's been really good to me, and. Uh, Interviewed him a bunch. I actually interviewed him for Kerrang! magazine. We had a front cover. We you want a cover? Yeah, you want a cover? Me and Dave America. Remember that? And so he's, all, he's always he's too. always asking me about Ireland and the whole thing and all. So I remember that gig. So that gig was it was the yeah. Point Theatre as it was known back then. Yeah, that's right. That was on the seventy fifth anniversary of the of the Easter Easter. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. It that. was the so we knew that. So Dave was nervous because you know. No disrespect, you know, to, 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 to you guys, but a lot of Americans think the troubles were happening down south, not just in the north, sure. and they don't really have a grasp of understanding. So Dave goes, we're, we're going to be okay, aren't we? You know, we'll be fine down <laughs> in Dublin, you know? And Stumpy the Drummer Almighty, who's a Glaswegian nutter, west of Scotland, lunatic, you know, just madman, but love him a bit. He's like, oh, I don't know, Dave. He said, you know, it's the 75th anniversary uh, of the Easter Uprising. And, and, and Dave's like, well, what's that? Right. Well, you know, you know, it's just stop me explaining yeah. to me. Dave kind of Dave kind of thinking you know, the way he does, going, right, okay, okay. So we we should just get out of there pretty fast. And I think literally they came off stage that night. That's funny. Because we we didn't wind up so much and got in cars or whatever and just you know, out of dodge straight away, didn't hang yeah. around, you know. Of yeah, course I remember that fine. Was, was gonna be fine yeah. and nothing's gonna happen, but we were having a bit Most of these balls. Yeah, that was a great gig. I yeah. remember watching Alice in Chains was, and that was my first time. They were oh, kind of breaking big at the time. Tour, amazing tour. Oh, but I did Dave Dave over the I love Dave so much. I mean he's just brilliant and, and I'm a huge yeah. Megadeth fan, so uh, Me too. it was all it was always such an honor to, to play with those guys. And they yeah. looked after us so well every time we were on tour with them. They really did. Yeah. Love I it. just got a text from Dave this morning. Yeah, he's oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. 
So I know Matt, you're a really big Almighty fan. He's, uh, you know, he... yeah, yeah. I, I love the Almighty. Like I said, I, it, it was disappointing me that they uh, didn't obviously I'll break big over here. Well, well, like to me, like for Power Tripping, you know, for instance, I mean, yeah. that was to me obviously the game changer. I think for the band, and I think, I mean, some of it I think might have to do. I know Mark Dodson produced that record too, right? He was more of the the metal type of producer sure, at that sure. time. Sure, he was correct. I, yeah. Right, yeah, and then um, and I know before that on Soul Destruction you had Andy Taylor who produced. Mm -hmm. What um, so was that when you guys were doing Power Trip and was that like because I you know it was what by ninety three that came out, yeah. um, and of course that time and, and also that was the first uh, record with Peter on it as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was I mean what it made the top five I believe in in mm -hmm. in, 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 in did, Britain, yeah. right? I mean it was yeah. huge. What um. The thing about it, you guys always definitely kept, you know, that punk rock tinge to it. I think on that album, you definitely had more metal. It was right around, obviously, grunge was huge at that time. Was Did that have any influence on what you guys were doing? Because I know yeah. shortly after that, you guys, shortly after that, like by the time you got to Just Sad Life is when you guys really um, started going back more to the roots of the punk and more, you know, uh, rock-based uh, stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, we obviously being out with Alice and James and seeing how great they were uh, uh, and that whole grunge thing, I found that really exciting. I was like, here is a band that's got this kind of punk energy, but these real heavy groove riffs. And, you know, I was my, my mind was blown. And then when Pete Friesen joined, Pete came in and, and Pete showed me Drop D tuning. I'd never written mm, okay. you know, and that was just suddenly I was like all right the doors are blowing mm. off here I, this this whole new way of writing that i've never even explored before so now i'm writing all these riffs and, and like drop d tuning so the guitars are sounding heavier and we're tuning down and that all just played a part in it you know um mm -hmm. of creating that sound now pete had a really big influence on the sound of the band when he joined because of of the amazing guitar player that he is um, and that was just this, like a seminar, a seminar album for us, you know, it was a game changer because it did, it wow. did so well, but yeah, we certainly always retained that, that, that punk edge because I think that's just then certainly me and Stumpy in the band, it's in our DNA. That's just what we yeah. grew up on. Um, mm. you know, and then we did crank after that, which to me is my favorite almighty album as well, which is probably even heavier than parts Yeah, been. Uh, yeah. And then, and then by the time we got to just add life, I mean, we, we were just starting to lose our way. I think there's some good songs in just add life, but you know, there was, uh, there was way too much substance abuse. We were fighting. There was, it just wasn't a coherent band anymore. We were listening to a lot of people around us. Maybe we shouldn't have been listening to the whole Brit pop thing was happening. Yeah, and yeah. we should have stuck to our guns, you know, and we didn't. And, and you know, I'll take the blame for that as much as much as everybody else that was involved, you know. And and, and that really was the beginning of the end, I think, mm. for the band. How, how, we should just we should just say who we were. We should just be in the almighty mm. and just, you know, and, and we were listening to people. We shouldn't have been. <laughs> and, the sure. and the cover on Just Add Life is just completely messed up. So when I looked at that again after, like, we're kind of like, oh, my God, what were they thinking? Because that cover is just all over the place. It's like a psychedelic issue. But quickly on Power Trip, and Blaze Bailey is on that, right? Did he do a back and yeah. track on something? How did, how did that come about? Because that is so odd. That's so left. <laughs> he sang on he sang on um he sang back and vocals on Jesus Loves You, but I don't. Yeah. We we done a lot of tours with Blaze's band Wolfsbane or yeah. early Seen days. Dublin too. Yeah. So so we knew him. But he just turned up in the studio one day. Like we didn't invite him. <laughs> Blaze just showed up one day and walked in and went, I'm here. I'm working like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. So I was like, and of course, you know, we love play. So we we're like, yeah, oh, you're here. Have, you know, have a beer. And you may yeah, come and sing, yeah. sing on a track. But I don't think anybody actually went, would you like to come down and sing on a track, Blaze? But Blaze, you know, Blaze is full of life. And, you know, Blaze yeah. doesn't need an invitation. And he just, he just turned up one day and he was, in, he was in the studio and, and, and we, we put him to work and yeah, he was great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the cover of just that like Tom was that's actually Storm Storm Ferguson that designed that cover. I didn't know that. It's just when I looked at it, it's just like you you don't know what you're looking at because you're trying to take it. You 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 should you he did and he did the video for you ever seen the video for Do You Understand with the geese? Right. Yeah, he did that as well. And me and Stumpy turned up that morning, and we'd been out drinking all night. We knew the band was splitting up, splitting up, and it was the last video we did. And somebody had given us an ecstasy tablet. So in the morning, this is 10 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, we dropped these ecstasy tablets and we're coming up and all these geese are just walking about in this like this warehouse and storms was very English and over the top. <laughs> and and I, I kind of looked at Stumpy and I went, are you fucking, is this actually happening? Or, you know, what's what the, he's like, I have no idea. He went, just go with it, Ricky, just go with it. And the geese are like, you know, weirdest day of my life. Yeah. Storm obviously <laughs> with hypnosis. <laughs> His albums are just brilliant. I I would assume he's very into psych, uh, psychedelic drugs. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, it yeah, kind of all made sense, and then when and then when it wore off, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys. I mean, you guys can both, I guess, talk about this. I mean, how influential? You know, obviously here in the states in the nineties. I mean, MTV. If you were going to be obviously a, a band was going to make it, it was all about MTV. Um, if you didn't get on MTV, I mean, it just you were you're only going to get so far. Was that similar type of thing over in the UK as well with MTV? Was it that influential? Not, not as much. Not as much. Okay. Not not okay. sort of out of the gate. Maybe a little bit later on down the road in, in sort of early early nineties. But I think MTV started about eighty eight, eighty nine in Europe, and okay. um, it was still the whole satellite TV thing was still quite primitive back then. Okay. Um, um, so it, it didn't, but I mean, they, you know, MTV Europe had its own headbangers ball as well, which obviously was, was, was started to get yeah, very, very, no very popular, popular throughout Europe. And I think that certainly um, helped a lot of the hard rock metal bands get exposure over there and stuff like that. But in regards of, you know, if you got on Beavis and Butthead, you'd be in a billboard top 100 next week, the way it was in the States. That, that was never the case with like MTV Europe. Okay. You know? Okay. You, know, you mentioned Andy Taylor. Uh, I, I know you guys obviously were very close. He plays on your new record. Uh, let's go back to your new record. You got Joe Elliott uh, guesting yeah. on it again. And I, I was going to ask you, how does this, because it, it is very, I mean, you've got a, a, a similar style and, and uh, you know, lyrical approach that you have. And, and you know, I've, I've said before, it's like you, you've channeled the soul and the spirit of Phil Lynott. I mean, you really have. And in your solo you. stuff, and with Black Star Writers, how do you separate the Black Star Writers <laughs> from your and lyrics from your solo material uh, um, <laughs> i think i just follow my gut follow my gut bob there's a gut instinct there that i think i know that something is going to work with, with the boys and bsr i think when i'm writing i kind of go okay this has got a bsr vibe to it i can hear what scott or what christian or what robbie's going to bring to this song or where they're going to go with this riff and i'll tend not to finish it i'll not go too far down the road with it because i know i want to take it to, to the guys to work on you know, the sort of stuff, you can be a complete narcissist, you can be as selfish as you want, you can do what the hell you want. And I think that's the beauty of doing the solo stuff is that Black Star Riders, we have a sound that people know and love, and we're very proud of that. But that certainly does keep us within a certain confinement. And it's a great confinement to be in, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly the certain things that I know that we just can get away with 
and Blackstar Riders. But in saying that, I have been on the on the tour bus a couple of times, and I've played Scott Gorham a couple of the solo songs, and he, he look at me and he does this thing with a raised eyebrow where they go, really? And I go, yeah. <laughs> he goes, he goes, why did you fucking keep that one for us? And I'm like, I know, you know, <laughs> you know. But I think what I think the cool thing about the guys in BSR is. I know they trust me and I know that they know that I'm not going to turn up for a Black Star Writers album with no songs and no ideas. Sure. You know, they know I'm going to turn up with an abundance of rest. I'm not going to let anybody down in that front. I mean, I would never let myself get in that position because Black Star Writers is what I refer to as the day job. That takes priority. So, um, and that enables me to do then, then do the solo album and, and, and have success with the solo stuff, which I'm very conscious of. One begats the other. So I'd never take that for granted. So, um, it just seems to work, you know. I just, I just instinctively, instinctively know what's going to be a, a BSR song. I, I, I really, I can't explain it any better than that. Sorry. <laughs> just on the new one again, um, Ricky, is that my my favorite personal favorite song? So just is the the one you recorded with your daughter, which I'm just looking yeah. at the words here. That is amazing. That that's the, that track is just absolutely. Thank I can't you. describe how much I love it. And you don't love me. I just love that. Din, 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 din. I yeah. love the groove in that. Like that for me. Like that's a screaming hit single. If somebody just picked that up and started playing it, because it that when yeah. I when I just when I just got the release first of all, I'm just flicking through. You listen like thirty seconds and thirty seconds, and I put that on and just heard the first couple of grooves and left it on. Rather than just flicking yeah. and see what the next few songs. That that sure. track is amazing. Absolutely adore that track. Those two are my Thank favorites you. by far. Thank you. Yeah, I mean the simplest songs are always the hardest to write. It's the old cliche, and that's true. And I, I wrote the riff and, and Keith and Nelson came up with the, the chord structure for the chorus, the real cool descending chorus. It's all got that Motowny backbeat going on. Yeah, it. love it. And and the lyric I, I, You Don't Love Me was the first thing I sang. You know, you're, you're playing along, you just sing what comes into your head just to get the melody. And I remember going, Oh, all right, that's not very good. I'll, I'll come up with something better mm. than that. You know, you don't love me. That's, you know. And then I, I, I kept coming back to You Don't Love Me. And I thought, Well, why don't you love me? It's not, it's not a lot. I don't want to. So I, I, I wrote it about people that that want to make other people feel bad, that go out of their way to be negative or say nasty stuff about other people, yeah. put them down and put a lot of effort and energy into that. Like it's their vocation in life. Mm. I'm going to make you feel like shit because it right. makes me feel better about myself. Mm. You know, and it's that whole thing. Revolution starts in the mirror. If you can't look in the mirror and feel good about yourself, you know, yeah, nothing is going to come up. There's so many people, right. especially online now. You get all these people that'll go out of the way. You suck, and I hate you. And yeah, I just don't oh. like something. I, oh, I don't. I don't right. say anything. You know, I don't. I don't, I don't go out of my way to ruin somebody's day. I'll just go. You know, yeah, I'll, just, I'll not comment. You know, and it, that, that's the whole reasoning behind the lyric. You know, you don't love me, but it's you who don't love me. I don't care. You know, you're predictable. You know, it's predictable. Yeah. Of course, you because you don't love anything. You're such a negative person mm. that nothing's ever good enough. Your, your your glass is always half empty, you know. Yeah. No matter what happens, no appreciation, no, nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. Yeah, for your life, for being alive, for any, you just, yeah. We've all met people like that. Sure, I'm right. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, so I used to kind of let it get to me, you know, and I'd be like, you're fucking, you know. But now I'm just like, yeah, really. I mean, really, I'm sorry you feel that bad. You know, good luck. Have a nice life. I'm, well, Ricky, when you write a song, <laughs> I mean, the first song. I'm just looking here. The um, the fighting heart. When you write the first song for an album for does that set the tone for what the album is going to sound like and, and, and like you write the first song you complete it or then do you think okay i've got to fit within this groove or do you write something else and go oh, okay that's a good song but it's nowhere near what i originally right. thought it was going to be right. yeah no. what sets the tone for what the album sounds like 
not really. I mean, Fighting Heart was the first song we did write for the album, funnily enough. Um, and I, I, I made it sort of clear to Keith that I wanted to write just a really in-your-face, straight-ahead rock and roll album, you know, mm. and, and in the same vein of like a, a Tom Petty, Heartbreak, yeah. Johnny Thunders, but with big, big guitars. And, you can hear that. And, yeah. Keith, and Keith bought into that straight away. Um, but I just, I just think I know, I just, I don't really analyze anything anymore tom i just think i'm at an age now like i'm 54 years old where i i think i know what i'm about and what i am sure. and, and, and what i've got and i trust my own gut and i trust my own instincts and I've, i have confidence in myself complete confidence in myself now that I, I maybe didn't have even 10 15 years ago sure you yeah. know and, and now I, it's not i don't care it's just like this is this is what you see is what you get what you hear is what I sound like, and and that's that's yep. that's it. You know, if you like it, great. If you don't, great. You know, yeah. was it Jay Rustin that produced this album, this new solo record? Or no, it was Keith Nelson. Keith, oh, Keith myself Nelson? and myself yeah. and Keith. Myself. Yeah, and Keith. Tom said logistic. Brilliant job. Great job. Brilliant production. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. appreciate Love that, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Just just a quick one. I mean, we're kind of jumping segments on the Black Star that's writers. Good. I got to I, I got to touch on that, right? Like, w- w- did you get like the call? To be a member of Thin Lizzy, I know we're going to jump on a Black Star. Is that how it happened? Like this got gone, go, hey, this is God from Thin Lizzy. I'm doing this. Did you get a call to do that? Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. But I knew Scott. Oh, Scott and I, right. Scott and I were fr- Scott and I were friends, and we've been friends for a long, long time. And Scott's wife and my ex-wife used to work together at MTV. Okay. So I'm, I'm, all right, I met okay. Scott. I met Scott way back in like 1988, 89, and yep. obviously being the Lizzie, you know, I'm like, we're not worthy. And he's like, yeah. I remember your ex-wife <laughs> on TV. I remember doing the Headbangers Ball. I remember. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I remember. I'd known Scott a long time, and then Scott ends up playing on my first solo record, Tattoos and Alibis, uh-huh. that I did with Joe. So I, when the phone went, I thought he was just calling me up to, 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 to how's it going? How are you? How's the family? We haven't talked in a while. You know, how's things? Blah, blah, blah. Which, which you know, he would, would happen every six months, you know? And he just literally said, "Yo, putting the band back together, and I want you to sing." And I was so like, "What now?" <laughs> I, no, but I was like, "I'm in." Yes, you know, straight away before he even got the words out of his mouth, you know, and and then had the conversation with him about what he wanted to do and what he wanted to achieve with the band. Right. And then I put the phone down, and then I went, "What the fuck have I just done? What have I agreed to? How the hell am I ever, ever going to do this?" You know, and and that's when all the craziness kicked in and the whole thing. And um, I phoned up two people that were very close to me, and they one of them had said, "Don't do it. I wouldn't have done it." First one was my wife. First one was my wife, and the second one was a friend of mine called Del James. Del works a lot with Guns and Roses. Bobby you know Del. Del's a Lizzie aficionado nut, and they both said, "You absolutely have to do this." And and they both said to me as well, which was really cool. They both said, "Look, you know, if it doesn't feel right at any point, just stop doing it. Walk you know, don't you don't mm. you don't have to do this. You know, nobody's putting a gun to your head." And and I just said, "Okay, I'll give it a go." And the, the good thing about it, Tom, was I had, you know, I, Scott made it clear I was it, it was mine to lose. I wasn't auditioning. I wasn't up against anybody mm. else. We were going to have a rehearsal because Scott knew me and he knew that I could my voice and, and thought I had a decent voice and I could sing the songs. We had a rehearsal in London and Scott basically said, the only way this isn't going to happen is if you go in here and you suck. And he said, I know that's not going to happen because he said, I know you know the songs and blah, blah, blah. We had the rehearsal. The rehearsal was great. So that that, that was that was really nice to not be put in a situation yeah. where you're up. I, I, you know what? If I was a Disney, I don't think I'd have done it. If it was, you know, June 10, other guys, I'd have gone, 
fine, you know. Because I, 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 I was blessed that I saw that version of Thin Lizzy, like with, um, you know, with Marco and, and yeah. uh, you know, the, the kind of the early, you know, the original lineup, I guess, yeah. of Lizzy, of Lizzy sure. Part 2 or Lizzy Part 10, I guess, sure. at that stage. But sure. um, but I know that when, when I when I saw it in, in, in the Dublin gig, I remember like with the, um, uh, and I was watching it, I remember watching uh, Brian Downey do a drum solo, which I'm guessing was inshallah, because that's what the song yeah, is. Been, and yeah. I remember just saying, I'm just saying, right, I'm now going to die a happy man. I've just watched it because Lizzie were just before my time because I'm, you know, they were, I was 13 when they were, when they were done. So like, I never got to see Lizzie or even see sure. Phil solo. Sure. Um, so for me, just to watch it, and I was up in the, kind of in the gods looking down, watching it, Brian Downey Thompson. I said, that's it. If I die right now, I'm going to die a happy man. I remember just loving the gig, but one really quick thing, and the guys can jump back in because I know Bob, I'm hogging the interview because I, I got so much to ask Ricky, but <laughs> you, 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 you said that you said that you, was your first gig in the first Thin Lizzy gig in the Olympia. Is that right? No, it was, was not Aberdeen. Right? Aberdeen in Scotland was the first show. Okay. But some of the early shows, and you said that Philomena, Phil's mom, was in the audience. Um, and I, I, I listened to that, but you also said very quickly in an interview, if I can remember, that Larry Mullen from U2 is in the audience. How is he there? I'm intrigued by that. No pressure, right? Um, <laughs> well, we played we played the Olympia in Dublin. It was it was it was towards the end of the first tour. It might actually have been the final show of, of that first. Okay, run. maybe that's what I'm thinking. Right, and, and, and Philomena came down, and Larry Larry came down because Larry idolized Brian. You know, ah, I didn't know that. Larry's favorite drummer of all time is Brian Downey. Wow! You know, and to and to see Larry Mullen be like a little kid around Brian Downey was just was was amazing. You know, it was just, was just was just brilliant. Know you know, you know, Brian is so revered and and rightly so in Ireland uh, for because nobody plays drums like Brian Downey. Nobody has a nobody. feel like Brian Downey. Nobody. It's so unique. I've played with a lot of great drummers and they're all amazing. Nobody has the feel that Brian Downey has. Yep. It's Amen. I don't know what it is, but it's just it's it's startling how how amazing it is you know yeah when you're on that stage room and he has that feel and it's just i mean i'm just because bumps talking about it you know but that was just one of those nights i mean i i don't know if i can tell you the story about philomena i don't know if i've told it before bob i don't want to re be repeating oh, no, myself no, you know but um so i mean in the, in the six or seven months i had to learn the lizzie stuff i mean i absorbed phil as much as i could i mean it was just you know, my wife would come in and go, have you heard this new band? I'm like, no, I'm listening to Thin That's all I listened to was Thin Lizzy. I mean, I did anyway, but I, I wouldn't listen to any new bands. I wouldn't watch any. It was Lizzy, 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 Lizzy. Because I had to get all those fill little fillisms, as I call them, in the songs yeah. right. I had to get the phrasing right. I just wanted it to, to sound as close as I could get it to the way Phil would have done it. So we're playing the Olympia, and I get the we get the word that Philomena's coming down, and I'm just like, oh man, oh, no, geez. you know, I'm just <laughs> no pressure. Stomach, <laughs> the stomach's coming up in my mouth, and we're doing the gig, and the, obviously, Tom, you know, you, you know the Olympia well. It's a beautiful, yeah, yeah. theater. Beautiful. She's in one of the boxes, one of the boxes up in the top, and just off to the left of my eye, I can just see her. You know, when the, when the, when the, the crowd lights go up, and we do the gig. And I'm nervous anyway, because it's Dublin, it's Phil's hometown. You know, I, I'm just very aware of, of how much this means and what Phil means. You know, I'm just, I'm very nervous. I do the gig. I think I sing, I think I play great. The band plays great. We do Black Rose. I look up at the corner of my eye and she's on her feet and she's applauding like hell. And I can see she's got tears streaming down her face. Wow. wow. And I thought, 
you know, she seems happy with her tears of joy. So I thought, great, no problem. Go back, get changed. There's an after show in the bar there at the Olympia. And I walk in, and I'm, my wife Tina's over with me, and I walk in, and she's sitting there holding court, and she sees me straight away, and she just stands up and goes, goes like that. And I just said, Tina, can you just, just give me a minute here? I'm just going to go and talk to Philomena. She comes over, and she gives me a hug, and she just goes, that was fabulous. She goes, my Philip would have yep. loved every minute of that show. He says, the soul and the passion that you sing his songs with, he would have loved it. Yeah. And I burst into tears. Amazing. You know, absolutely. I just, I just started yeah. bawling my eyes out. And she just gave me a hug. And she just goes, Philip would have, Philip would have been so happy with that. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, I just, and I just went, that's all the validation that's all I, need. I need. That's, that's all it. I need. Doesn't I, matter. I had the pleasure I get, of meeting you know? her a couple of times. And I, so I, I, you know, I've spoken to her three or four times. It's at least yeah. tribute gigs and whatnot. And I met her in Waterford, oh my God, years and years ago. And I was, my daughter is 14 now. So she was maybe two and just rolling the pram or whatever. And there was a busker in the middle of town playing Linnet songs, playing Lizzie yeah. songs. So that come yeah. my year, I just went over for a look and I was just standing there. And she'd be standing right next to me, but I didn't notice her. So I was just standing there, like, listen to this guy. And I looked, I said, holy shit, that's Philomena. So I said nothing for a few minutes. And the guy is playing the songs. Obviously, she's listening to her son's songs. Think about it, right? And uh, so I just said to her, God, this guy's really good, isn't he? And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, he's no Philomena, isn't he? She went, what? And then she just turned and we had this conversation. <laughs> she, she was saying hello to my daughter. And we had this conversation for about, about 30 minutes or so. Somehow I got her address. And I just, because yeah. I, I said, I always wanted, she said, if you're ever in Dublin, you, you come by me. And I wrote to her, you know, because he didn't really do email. This is, I'm guessing, 89 or something. Yeah. Um, and I wrote to her and she sent me back a letter, which I actually still have like in a scrapbook. And I never Amazing. made the Amazing. return trip back. I, that's one of those things where why didn't I do that? So I have this handwritten letter from her uh, just saying, so nice to meet you, your daughter, beautiful. And it's gone. That's a treasure for me just to even have it from her, yeah. Well, she was just that. I mean, she's so amazing with, it, with the Lizzie, Lizzie fans. She was just, she was, I've, I've heard yeah, so many stories like that, you know. Yeah, and she didn't amazing. have to, number one, she didn't have to come to the show. It must have been hard for her. Mm -hmm. and, and she certainly didn't have to speak to me. She certainly didn't need to say anything to me, you know. And the fact that she went out of her way and, and made a beeline to me straight away, you know. And, and you know, I remember coming back and I was, I was, I mean, I was balling like I've never done a yeah. ball my whole life, you know, because it meant that much to me that it meant so much to her and given her enjoyment. And she said, you know, she goes, I miss my Philip, Philip every second of every day. Yeah. And she said for a few moments there tonight, you know, I, I missed him a little bit less because I felt wow. he was there, there in the room beside me. And I was just, and she's saying this to me, you know, and, and, and Scott's <laughs> laughing at me. Scott's, you know, Scott's like he's trying to dry right And I'm just like, you have no idea what this means, you know, and, and, you know, there'll always be the no Phil, no, no, no Lizzie Brigade. And I get that. I get that. I'm one of them as well. Phil Linus, lead singer. Thin Lizzie. I'm not. Phil's a dude. He's the guy. When I put, that's, there is no other lead singer in Thin Lizzie. It is Phil. That's the way it should be. I'm just looking after the songs. That's all I'm doing. That's all there is to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, like yeah. I said, there, there's no other replacement uh, than you for that Thin Lizzy lineup. Thank I, you, Bob. You know, as, as you know, I told you the story. I was at, you know, of course, I'm close with your manager, Adam, and he told me, you know, uh, that they were thinking of getting Ricky. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be awesome. And he invited me to that re the rehearsal show. Your That's right. I remember you being there, Bob. Yeah. Yep. I think it was. Yeah, we met yep. there. And, and, of course, uh, uh, Brian Downey was playing and Vivian Campbell. I think that was the yeah. only U.S. show Vivian did with 
with Thin Lizzy. And I was just, I seriously, just absolutely blown away. Yeah. And what you say is so true. I've, I've talked to Brian about this. I say his playing in Thin Lizzy and, and you know, no disrespect to Tommy Aldridge. I've seen Tommy play the Thin Lizzy songs, but it's like, that's, that doesn't, that's not right. Seeing yeah. him back with Thin Lizzy and you on vocals, and again, no disrespect to John Sykes. When I saw that, I saw the John Sykes version. Many well, John, John's amazing. You know, great. You know, but but yeah. But Bob, you you, you, but you had the attitude. You yeah. had that punk rock feel. You had that. You know, <laughs> well, that's what Phil had. Phil had. Phil had that edginess and that Absolutely. aggressiveness too. Absolutely. You know, and I think there you had that the first version of the put back together. You have three Irishmen in the band. You've got me, Vivian, and Brian. You know, mm. that knows what it means. You know, knows that where it came yeah. from was there and. Lizzie came out of the ground in Ireland, you know, with Phil sings about the mountains and one down to the sea. When I used to get up and go to school in the morning, I could see the mountains in the morning from, from, from a window, you know, in County Down, you know, and it's no disrespect to, to, to John, who's a phenomenal singer and a phenomenal guitar player and has every right to be there because he was on a Thin Lizzie album for, album, for God's sake. But I just think, you know, that was what Scott, I think one of the reasons that Scott picked me was, was the Irish thing, you know? Yeah. You know, it definitely worked, man. It definitely, well, it was good that they already did that to Lizzie, so you weren't really stepping in, in any new territory because they sure had the revamp, sure. revamp. Yeah, that definitely it. helped. That definitely softened the ground for me. There's no doubt about it. True. And like the progression into Black Star, obviously, like it came about, you know, not that long after Lizzie, a couple of years, I guess, and like the four albums in, and they're all great and everything else, but. You know, there's been a lot of movement in band members. Um, uh, you know, with obviously with Damon and so on and so forth. You know, which which one uh, I guess surprises you most? Which, which one was the, like Mark or whatever? Which one was the shit? I can't believe that just happened. Which was the kind of the sucker punch? It's, 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 starting to look, it's starting to look in the real. It's starting to look really bad for me, and nobody wants to be a band with me anymore. That's what <laughs> the three members have left in eight years now. None of them surprised me. I could see every okay. one of them coming. I could see oh, yeah, every one of them coming. Uh, Marco, I could see because Marco was is always moving and always, you know, chopping and changing. And yeah. as much as I love him, I could just, I just knew he he wasn't going to be in one thing yeah. for, for too long. Um, J Jimmy, yeah, it, you know, Jimmy's an amazing drummer. I never got on with Jimmy that great. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I could see that happening for without going into too many reasons. Damon, uh, being so close to Damon and working so close to Damon, I could tell as a friend that something that he was going to, you know, he he wanted to move on. I could just tell, right. you know, and and because when he said to me, you know, is this a surprise? He went, no, I went on. I knew. I could tell. I could certainly tell. And certainly on the last cycle, you know, when we were on the priest tour, which we've been trying to get on a huge tour in the states for Black Star writers writers started. He was, he just didn't seem completely happy. You know, I'm walking, I'm like, going, yes, we finally got on a fucking killer tour in the States. Yeah. And he just, I could tell he was, yeah, no, this is great. I'm enjoying it. It's going to be cool. And I was like, mm, you know, and I get yeah, it. And true. I get yeah. every reason why they all left. Look, nobody was fired. Nobody was like, you're leaving. They all left of their own accord. You know, nobody was nobody yeah. was kicked out, you know. And well, so, yeah, the music didn't suffer. Even like he changed band members, he changed. Like producers going, you know, from obviously Kevin Shirley to Nick sure. uh, Ross Linnitz, then going forward. So like the the quality of the output didn't change. So even though no. there was like fundamental changes in the band, you still delivered kick-ass albums, which is a testament, obviously, to you and Scott. I think I think we still got something to say, and I think we're we're relevant, and I think that's what maybe 
is unique about the band is we just don't churn out albums just so we can get get on the road and and tour them when obviously there's not a worldwide pandemic going on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we 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 feel we stand for something. I think we've got something to say as a band, and I think you know we're eight years into it. We don't play anything Lizzie songs live anymore. Yeah, um, we haven't done for quite you. a while. Yeah, haven't done for quite a while. And the band stands, you know, the name Black Star Writers, writers merits its own thing. And I think the name sure. is bigger than this, the some of the people that are in the band now. You know, yep. We're about an hour in. I don't. I don't know how much more time you have left. Uh, uh, Fine. As long it. as you want, man. Oh wow. As long as you uh, want. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to you know talk about the before you close. You know, you talk about a little bit more about the uh, solo record. But was there something sure. else you want to talk about there, Matt? Before we uh, no, I was just going to ask about this. You know, in terms of now, I mean, like you know, just brought up the pandemic. And so what I mean now with the with the solo record. Are you going to do anything to sort of promote that in terms of? Are you interested in doing any of that live stream stuff or any of that stuff online? I mean, because obviously right now your hands are tied. There's not you know nothing else you sure, can do until sure. you know. Yeah, yeah. I have been. I have been. Um, I started doing first live stream I did back in May last year. Okay. And it was completely um, you know alien to me. I'd never even conceived of doing anything like that before. But I saw that people were doing. I waited. You know, I waited. You know, a month or two, and then. I sort of looked around and, and found a platform I thought would work well for me, and that platform was Stage It. And I use Stage okay. It, and I like what I like about Stage It is you sell tickets for the show, you do online flyers, so it's just like doing a real show. Okay. For all intents and purposes, but you're not playing it. Sure. You're obviously not playing live, and that, that appealed to me. And I've been using that platform ever since. And I've been doing about one a month. I'm keeping the ticket price as low as I possibly can. It's like five bucks to buy a ticket. Um, I've tried to change the set list every month. Um. Mm. I'm just very aware that everybody's hurting, um, but you know, which is why I've not been doing one every week or or, or something like that. But mm -hmm. it's been amazing for me because it's given me something to work towards every month: rehearse, learn new, learn new songs, maybe play some songs I haven't never played before, uh, and I get excited about it. You know, it's never going to be the same mm -hmm. as obviously playing live, but sure. it's certainly uh, mm -hmm. it's certainly kept me going you know, the last the last year for sure. Okay. I know next month you got the uh, the St. Patrick's Day shenanigans yeah. coming up. So what, yeah, can, we, what yeah. can we expect from that one? Yeah. Well, somebody was told me you should do a shot after every song. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Maybe about six songs in and the, the gig would be over. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just good. we're going to do one on Saturday the 13th, just prior to St. Patrick's Day. Um, and you know, it, it's songs with an Irish connection, so obviously a few songs from me, and there'll be a Lizzie song in there. And oh, I'm great! Sure Watch that. A, a be a couple of covers you know other covers in there as well so so how, how do how do like the fans watching this and me how do we sign up for that what's the like the process to do so if you go to stageit.com and log in there and um, you can just stageit.com ricky warwick log in there you can buy a ticket okay. online and cool. that gives you your, your virtual ticket day of the show click on your link and, and you're in and that's it shows are, about an hour, shows are about an hour long and you can interact with me during the show you can type you know there's a little sidebar you can type in comments and all that kind of stuff and i'll do that so, yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. And with Black Star Writers, I mean, I I heard you guys had been writing, um, and the band is still together because there'd been some some stuff out there, some rumors that you guys weren't, but you are. Um, anything new on that front right now, or just? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're, 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 we're very much together. I mean, I, yeah, rumors are great, aren't they? Um, <laughs> aren't they great? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we yeah, we had yeah. our wing, we had our wings clipped, and we put on our steady grace in 2019. We got one round of touring in, in Europe before we all went into lockdown because last year we were supposed to be touring constantly the Black Star Riders yeah. you know, like we're, we're planning on touring the States and Asia yeah. and all the European festivals 
of course that didn't happen. So, you know, the logical thing was, okay, we just got to play on. So we've, we've gone in, we've written and demoed the next record. And oh. we're just sitting, wait, wait, waiting that we can get in the studio to record it, which will hopefully, the way it's looking, is going to be the summer. And we'll record here in Los Angeles and we're going to work with Jay Russell again. So album number five's oh, done. Cool. It's good to go. We're just waiting oh, wow. to get in and get it done. Yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that. Right. Yep. Right. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, again, the record will be coming out next week. Uh, Friday the 19th. Yep. That do Nuclear Blast as well, correct? Worldwide? Nuclear Blast Worldwide, yeah. Right on. Good, good company, yeah. <laughs> Testament. Yeah, they've been great. You know, I mean, I've been, I've whatever. Been, Holy shit. Yeah, give Monty Connor some shit for me. I've been with them almost nine years now, which is insane in this day yeah. and age to be with, be with the label that long. Yeah. And they've been mm -hmm. really good to me and really good to Black Star Records. And I, I just like their, I like their passion and and uh, you know their support's been great. So I'm I'm happy to be to be on Nuclear Blast. They've been good. They're a great label. It's great to see because I know uh, yeah, just real quickly back in you know like you're talking about in. The almighty days, especially the late 80s into the 90s, there was so much pressure from the. It was all about, you know, the major labels yeah. and hit songs and you got to do this. Mm -hmm. Try this. Let's get you with this songwriter. Let's get you with this pr producer. It must be great uh, as a solo artist and with Blackstar writers to have that freedom. It's almost like going back to the 70s. Now the independent labels, whether it be Nuclear Blast or Metal Blade, and they seem to be just on an equal playing field as the majors. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that power anymore you don't have the power of mtv and all that don't need them yeah in the way is yeah. great I and mean, there's so much about the music industry that sucks now but that part is kind of put you on a playing field where you could just write however there's not that pressure you could do what you want do you kind of feel that way a lot absolutely yeah i mean there's never been any pressure from nuclear blast whatsoever monty connor's been great to us you know i mean we've always delivered on time as well he knows we're going to deliver you know, good, 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 solid uh, music, and uh, you know, Monty just lets us get on with it, and I, I love him for that. You know, and and he knows that when the stuff to play him, I'll send it to him, and I'll value his in, input, and you know, value his ideas. I won't always agree with him, but you know, I'll still take him on board. And yeah, it's uh, you don't need that. Certainly not for a band like Blackstar Riders, and, and certainly not for an artist like myself solo. I don't need or feel the need to be through a major. Or I'm not going to listen to some young kid tell me you should do this you should do that fuck fuck no this thing ain't gonna happen you know yeah i'm doing this too long i'm too old you know i'll listen to yeah. ideas but i'm certainly not going to be told what to do you know Absolutely. i'm always open to ideas no matter where they come from who they are what you know or anybody i'm i, I love that about music because it's so subjective yeah but well, you know a lot, a lot of major labels would tell you what to do this is what you need to do or you're not going to get mm -hmm. the tour support or you're not going to get playlisted or you're not you know fuck that you know i'm not doing yeah. that anymore yeah. Well, you know, I was, yeah. I was talking to Brian Downey. I did an interview with him you know, quite a few years ago. I was talking about that was kind of the feel with the 70s bands with Thin Lizzy as they had the freedom to write. Because in the 80s, you wouldn't be able to write, you know, a folky song and a heavy song. And then, you know, you'd sure. be pressured into writing this kind of, you have to do this. And and he was saying the same thing back in the 70s. He said, they the record labels got us in the studio. They let us alone. We had full yeah. reign on, on yeah. how we want. Which I thought was such a, and that's why the 70s, was so special and i'm thinking now yeah you know, with artists like yourself you could kind of go back to that yep and, 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 and you know again back then bands had the chance to mature you know it wasn't just you got one shot at this sure. and that's mm -hmm. it well yeah. hang on a minute we're a new band here we're just kind of getting going you know maybe by the third record you might have something pretty spectacular and of course we all know that nine times out of ten that happened the third or fourth record the bands are putting out with their biggest records right. you mm -hmm. know and and uh, sadly that doesn't happen anymore it's everything has to be no 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 and 
I think you're killing a lot of a lot of creative future creativity by by doing the labels by doing that. You know, you gotta let people find themselves and you know explore their explore their own sound and explore their writing. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I got a quick question just on the new album, so I know we're running up on time, but. The one that you wrote with your daughter, like uh, I, I'm reading in the press release, that's a demo. Does that mean that the, that version is the the only take? Did you do a couple of takes of that, or is that just as raw? No, as it the, the guitar and vocal is the demo. Uh, Pepper, my daughter, added her vocals on later, and the strings we added okay. on later. But the actual demo is, I, I brought the song into Keith, I played it to him, and he suggested a couple of chord changes in the chorus, which, which worked great. And he said, let's demo it. And, I, and that day I had a stinking head cold. And, and I'm like, ah, Keith, I don't want to sing today, man. I'm full, I'm full of cold. He's like, it's just a demo. Just put it down. Nobody's going to hear it. Don't worry about it. And he literally put up one mic. And I sat down and, and played it. And it, it was like one of those, it was a really dark, wet day in L.A. One of those rare kind of rainy days you get here in L.A. And I really remember getting into the zone. And one of those head colds where you can hear your voice inside your head, like your ears are lost. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah. it, was, it was really weird. I remember doing it. And, we listened back to that thought, it's not too bad for, for somebody that, that, that's sick. And then we sort of listened to it again, and my voice cracks in it a couple of times, and it was kind of cool. So anyway, yeah. we did a demo, put it in with the other ones. Then we came to do the album, we came to do that song. So we, we got we got the demo out, and we listened to it, and I went, Keith, this demo sounds pretty good. He said, ah, let's set up anyway and see. So we spent two hours miking up the room and getting the acoustic sound right, and couldn't better couldn't recreate wow. it we both looked at each other and just went let's just go and what the was the difference so it, in the time it, from the demo to the like the new setup um, How many months about, six, about six months oh wow about six months i know that, that so that's just one take that's me playing the guitar and singing it at yeah. the same time Brilliant there's, no, there's no there's no separation you know um and I, I don't know maybe it's just one of those songs that meant so much to me because it was so personal that it was just so embedded in, in the northern sure. that i was just felt very comfortable playing it you know yeah um but yeah yeah of course, my daughter I, I just want, think she doesn't she doesn't want anything to do no, she's 13 and she's like oh god what are you saying about me it's so, yeah. embar it's so yeah. embarrassing really i got you i got three teenagers i get my it. voice off that you know just, yeah yeah i get it i just think it's i just think it's a beautiful song i just i love thank it you so I, I, much, it's one you. of those songs that i'm kind of humming walking i just one really quick question you mentioned on don't corner a rat and you i read something that you it was a discussion with the marine and yeah. I, was, I was I was listening to the lyrics today, and you've kind of got an echo or like an effect on the voice, and I was trying to pick it out. What what's yeah. that about? Because that's quite quite intriguing. Um, a, a guy on the priest tour, a, a friend of Chad's came to the show, and he's ex-military, and he'd served uh, you know, over twenty years in the military, and done countless tours of, of Iraq and stuff like that. And and I've had this a couple of times. One of my friends back in Belfast, his son was in the British Army, and and same thing. And these guys struggle when they come home. They, they struggle with the. Uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome and the help is not there for them and they struggle just adapting back to some kind of normality and it's almost like they've forgotten about it. and they give they give their all for 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 our freedom and they don't get it in return from the wow. countries that, that they that they serve and i just wanted to highlight that and his story was very much of that and it was quite an emotional night talking to him and but he was very resilient, you know. He was like, you know, you back me in a corner. I'll, I'll get through this. I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I just said, well, you shouldn't have to. There should be help. There should be playing networks for you. That you don't feel that you're on your own, you know. And yeah, you know, I, it just struck a chord with me, you know. And, yeah. and I just kind of wrote wrote the lyrics sort of the next day after after yeah. talking. Good songs, very aggressive. I love that kind of the constant beat. It's a good track. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Well, Matt, what what do you think here? Anything <clears throat> I'm else? Good, 
before oh, yeah, we, we close can, here. I'm I good. We can monkey hang it all day here. I know you probably oh, have to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time, guys. It's been fun. I'm really enjoying myself. Oh, all good. Oh, all right, yeah. well, well, then I will ask you one more question. I want to circle back a little uh, while, uh, uh, Ricky, back to when you did Circus Diablo um, mm-hmm. back in right, mid-2000s there. Um, I mean, that was such a uh, – so that was interesting because you, you went from the almighty, you started doing your solo um, stuff. When, when that came up, Circus Diablo, I mean, was it to the point where – because I remember reading something you at one point thought about just quitting music in general. You were kind of – I guess after the late experience with Almighty, with I guess all the labels sure. and stuff, sure. uh, you had kind of kind of burnt out or kind of soured on a lot yep. of things. So was the Circus Diablo when you did that? Because that was a, I mean, I thought that was a really solid record that you did with you Thank know you. Billy from the Cult there and, and Matt Sorum. And mm-hmm. um, was was were you I guess at that point satisfied with with the solo stuff, or you wanted to kind of get back into being more into a band? Uh, sort of setting at that point was just an opportunity that kind of came up and you took it. No, it was a total accident. It was a total accident. I mean, I was, I was, I'd just done the Def Leppard tour. Solo stuff was going well. I was still very much involved in, in making solo records. I just moved to LA. It was 2005. And I literally just got off the boat, as it were, for one of a better expression. And I'd known both Billy Morrison and Billy Duffy for a long time from when they were both living in London and they, they were friends. And so I'm like, I'm here, you know, you know, I don't really know anybody but you guys. And so we met for a coffee um and you know billy morrison suggested we just go back to his place and jam you know he had a little studio set up and so the three of us are you know me billy morrison billy duffy are just sitting there and we we start jamming next thing i know there's a couple of songs written and next thing i know you know matt storm's like hey come into the record in my studio and next thing is a deal on the table from college next thing is some shows on all fest and then something yeah. something has to go <laughs> he's in fuel I've got the solo thing that I'm doing, you know, mm. we, you know, we can't, this is all going a bit too fast and that album's great. I love it. You know, great, yeah. I love the, oh, I yeah. love those guys. Love I, I love working with Billy Morrison. They're, they're still dear friends to me, but it, it, it sort of took off before anybody was like, Oh, well, yeah, hang on, this is just something we're going to do on the side. You know, okay. suddenly people wanted it to become more than that. And, you know, mm. Billy's got the cult and, and, and sure. Brett Scallions has got the fuel and, and, and Matt, and obviously Velvet Revolver and stuff. So, that it just wasn't ever going to happen because of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that somebody had to go, "Hi, on a minute, guys." You know, this is fun, but we all got day jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great record, though. It really was. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Fantastic. I know you moved around a lot, Ricky. Obviously, like you know, Belfast and Scotland. When you moved to Dublin, and was mm-hmm. Joe uh, Joe Elliott involved in that move? Was that was the conversation? Was it no, anything it, to do with it, him because you knew no, him was like a base? No, it, it was more. It was Andy Cairns from Therapy. It was Andy ah. brought me into moving because I was at loose end living in London. He says, why don't you just come back to Dublin? You know, he says, you know me. And I knew a couple of other guys there. And I just wanted to get out of London. And, and Andy said, just, just come. Well, let's find you a place in Dublin. And so really, Andy was in, instrumental in, in, in helping me move over. And then I met Joe pretty much within the first couple of months that I was there. And oh, okay. Off, Interesting. Yeah. And do you think it's still in your LA LA based right now? Do you think yeah, it's still I mean, there? I mean, that- I'm, here, I'm, I'm here 16 years now. And, oh, wow. Um, you know, I'm very settled here. I don't know if we'll stay forever. I mean, we've talked about moving back to to County Down at some point. You know, right? Uh, I've I've got Pepper still. I'd like to get Pepper through high school sure. and see what she's she's the last sibling, sort of to, to get through and get and get yeah. and get, to, get sorted out. So we'll see what she wants to do, and then maybe we'll 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 look about maybe moving somewhere else. We've talked about even yeah. moving up to jo- the Joshua Tree, the desert, or somewhere. But I think wow. at some point we'll get we'll get out of LA. You know, not that yeah. I don't like living in LA because I do, but you know, I just 
I say all the guys in your solo band, as well as Black Star Riders, now are all uh, uh, live here in the states, huh? I know Scott's yeah. over there, but he's kind of just riding. Yeah, kind of like yeah, but after forty years in England, Scott still sounds like he came straight out of Glendale. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no difference, yeah. Well, Robbie, Robbie's away, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob, Robbie's here in LA. Yeah, Chad's up in Pennsylvania. Christian's up in Oregon. You know, so yeah. Right on. Striking distance, yeah. Well, hopefully things will open up soon. You guys will be able to tour here in the states. It'll be so great to see you live again, Ricky. Uh, you know, Thank you. We saw you with uh, uh, you know Black Star Riders on on the Priest tour, and I you know caught uh, uh, you know the Thin Lizzy shows that great Thin Lizzy show you did at the uh, Coach House too, where you did a full set. That was fantastic. Remember that? Yep. And, Thank uh, you. So many, so many great uh, you know uh, great shows that uh, that I. Uh, you know, any chance you might have a, I, I know you've reunited with the almighty so many times, uh, any chance there might be, no, that's all done. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so, man. And, you know, the legacy of the band is great. And I think the legacy is bigger maybe than the band ever was. And I get asked about it every day, Bob, and I'm so proud of it. And I'm so proud that it still means so much to so many people. And I think to go back and try and recreate our I, I just I, it terrifies me that we would tarnish it, and because yeah. we're not the same people, you know, we're not as angry. We're not angry young men anymore, you know, and and we're angry in different ways. Now. And 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 nobody's hurting. It's like if one of the guys needed the money, or there's some way we could help. Of course we would. Of course you would. You'd help. You'd help our brother out. But sure. everybody's happy, and everybody's happy with the memories, and everybody's happy with the music that we made. And let's just maybe leave it at that. But I'll never say never uh, anything. You I never think that's the best way to do it because you would, but I think that most bands could potentially tarnish the legacy, which is really intact and it's solid and it's still yeah. there. Like here we are today in, you know, 2021 talking about it. So that exactly, just, that's just it. shows yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember we looking at an interview with Robert Plant years and years ago and he gets asked every interview about Zeppelin and he said, mm. you know, this is probably 10, 15 years ago. I don't recall. And he said, he said, how can I compete with a 25 year old me? And I think that was yeah. the best well, answer he could ever a, give. He can't. He couldn't do it. It's a it's a great answer. The, you know, yep. I mean, just just thinking about singing some of those all my songs gives me a headache. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? You you shouted that loud for that long? Yeah. What was wrong with I you? Saw, you know? Ricky, I saw you live many times. I was recipient of that shouting, yeah. so I saw oh, it. Yeah. You still got that energy live. Last time I saw you with Thank Lost you. Our Riders, Thanks, you man. haven't yeah. lost it at all there, Ricky. Thank you, man. Yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. All right. Well, in closing, you want to? Uh, I know you're. Are you pretty active on uh, social media? Is there? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm on all all the usual suspect sites: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Right. There, and and I will reply and, and and interact as much as I possibly can. So yeah. Awesome. Well, there you go. Anything else there, Matt? Before we close this off? Oh, no, we're good to go. Just I really appreciate you taking the time, Ricky. It's great talking to you Thank again. You. And uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait to see you live. And yeah, we'll check out. Uh, definitely check out that St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Yep. thing that's coming up for sure please do yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, saturday march the, march the 13th which is obviously not st patrick's Perfect. day but it's close enough yeah yeah right. well, thank you for joining us tom yeah. as well and bringing in your irish insight here it was a really cool uh, yeah thanks uh, great pleasure thanks ricky for your your time tonight i know you're uh, a busy man my pleasure it's ricky been a lot earlier. of fun guys it's, I really enjoyed awesome. it. Everybody, buy the new solo album it's genuinely as good yeah. as we're talking about it is just a great album so Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, be safe. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, you too, Ricky. Okay. Thanks so much, bud. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, bud. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. Subscribe and listen to all episodes by going to our pages on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, Spotify, and more. 
You can listen to all other episodes and access up-to-date information and news on the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast by going to our website at www.shockwaveskullsessions.com. Email all comments, questions, and suggestions to shockwaveskullsessions at gmail.com. Hey, it's Chris from the Classic Metal Show. Just wanted to make sure you never, ever lose the CMS to the corporate entities of the world taking us down. Subscribe to our podcast by following our feed, https colon slash slash j dot mp slash cms feed. j dot mp slash cms feed. Just plug that into your podcast player and... You'll never lose us. It's uncensored and it's controlled by us, not any main tech giant. So do it today, fucks.